Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to get into Colossians today. I'm so excited about this. You know, the Lord just really quickly gave me a clear word, and I just have such peace in my heart that this is the word for today. Um, today is, a, my, my mom texts me every morning and says, you know, honey, you're going to do a great job. And I thank you, mom. She's watching me right now, praying for me, and she's my prayer warrior. And um, I said, mom, today I have a, a, a message that I really, it's a shepherd's message. Uh, the, bo- the book of Colossians, we've been talking in the book of Colossians about Paul who, who'd written this letter. Uh, Epaphras was the pastor of this church in Coloss, in the book of Colossians. And he written this letter because uh, Epaphras went to prison where Paul was and visited Paul and said, man, the church is going great. Epaphras started the church and said, the church is going really good, but there's some things I'm concerned about in the church. And so really this, this letter, Paul had never met these people before. He'd never met these people he's writing to. These, he'd never actually shaken their hands or been at their church. He just sensed from, from Epaphras some of the areas of concern. And some of the areas of concern we've talked about is that they were overcomplicating what this was really all about is really just about Jesus and loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. And it was really just about the gospel message of Jesus Christ and really just about those things. People begin to confuse it with all sorts of, you know, philosophies and ideologies and Gnosticism and higher knowledge and all of these things begin to become more important than the gospel. And so Paul was writing all of these things to help them. And you can go back and listen to it. This is our seventh week in this series. So there's a lot to listen to. But what, what we talked about in the last few weeks is that we saw in, in Colossians chapter two, uh, verses six to seven and in chapter three, verse one, that Paul gave kind of all these things and they said, okay, now just as you received Christ Jesus as your Lord. So just as you accepted him, I want you to continue to live your lives in him. Don't quit. Just because you raise your hand in church on a Sunday doesn't mean that that's the end. That's just the beginning. It's just a starting point. You gotta keep living your lives in Christ and you gotta stay rooted, which is past tense. You're rooted, but now you gotta build your life in him. And then in verse one, he says, since that you've been raised with Christ, since you've been water baptized. You say, Ryan, I don't need to be water baptized. Yes, you do. Water baptism is a supernatural work in your life. So I encourage everyone who's never been water baptized, come on, May 8th, we already have two water baptisms. They're gonna happen during the service and it's gonna be awesome. Carrie's gonna get water baptized. Maybe another one. I won't throw one of the bus. Uh, Pastor James, it's okay. I'll just maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, and then a couple of other, if you gave your life to Christ, come on, let's get water baptized. But he says, since you've given your life to Christ, since you were rooted in him, now you're building your life in him. You got water baptized and identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you need to keep building your life on Christ. Amen. And what he talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were continuing this series, I won't re-preach it today, but he basically said, listen, you need to keep building your life on Christ. And I, I'm, really, this is like a series within a series. He said, oh, how do you build your life on the greatness of Jesus? He said, the first thing you have to do is you have to recalibrate your heart and your mind to be focused on seeking Jesus first. You gotta prioritize your heart and your mind now. Jesus is first in my life. And then you gotta put to death your selfish nature. You gotta put these things to death. Predominantly was talking about sexual behavior, actually, if you look at it. Sexual behavior, the area of your mind, and then how you treat other people in your relationships. You gotta put these things to death. And then he says, you gotta put on your new nature, your new spiritual self. And when you put on your new spiritual self, what happens is you begin to be remodeled to be more like Christ. 
And so you've got to begin to reprioritize your life. You've got to put to death these things of your past. You've got to start, start putting on Jesus, becoming more like him. And what we're going to do for the next rest of our series today, Paul begins to break this down practically on how this impacts your relationships. And so what we'll see for the remaining three weeks that we're going to spend in Colossians this week, he talks about our church community. The next time we're going to share, it talks about your family and your job. And then we're going to talk about what he calls outsiders or those who maybe aren't inside or those who have not accepted Christ in their life. How do we live a life with those individuals building our life on Christ? And so what we see today is that Paul, he, he begins to give us these ideas in Scripture. Um, and what he wants us to do is understand that when it comes to your church community, remember, this letter was written to a church. It wasn't written to an individual. Often we read this book and we read it uh, through a personal experience, which you should. But when you read it contextually, you need to read it through the lenses of recognizing that this was written to a group of people called the local church. And what Paul is trying to do is saying, listen, in order to build your life on Christ, in order to, to experience everything that God has for you, he's saying today, you've got to be an active participant in the local church. You've got to find yourself in the community of God. You've got to plant yourself in the house of the Lord. And it's interesting because he begins to talk about the community of God, and then he gives you four things today that you can do to evidence that your life is built on Christ. Look what he says in our very first one here today, Colossians chapter three, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So if you want to build your life on Christ, the very first one Paul says here is that you've got to clothe yourself. Whoops, I'm sorry. You've got to clothe yourselves with love towards others. You say, oh, okay, that's good, Ryan. I get it. This is a love message. No, just listen for a moment. Because what Paul does here is Paul identifies what that love looks like. Paul speaks very clearly and he tells you exactly what this love looks like and it's on the heels of putting to death the areas of your life that are of the old nature. He says you need to put to death anger, which is an eternal anger. Wrath, which is external expression of that anger. Malicious behavior, slander on your lips, gossip, lying about other people. Basically, how you've been treating other people can no longer be your reality. Instead, you need to begin to clothe yourself with love towards others with compassion. This word compassion is you literally feel in your bowels. The word literally is to feel compassion for others. Remember, in your church community, for compassion for their situation. I want to encourage you today. If you hear that someone in our church is going through something, you need to, I want to, if there's no compassion, I want to, maybe your life isn't being built on Christ. I want to encourage you today. One of the evidences that your life is being built on Christ is that when there is a need of those around you, you don't just say to them, go oh, bless you, brother. Bless you, sister. What do you do? You pray and say, okay, God, how can I meet this need? Look what he says, he, the compassion, kindness. This word kindness is actually the root word for integrity. Doing what's right even when it hurts. Humility. This word humility is literally speaks to a condition of your mind where you have a lowness, a lowness of mind, meaning that you are more than willing to put yourself secondary for other people. 
The word gentleness here means just what it is. You're gentle with others and you're kind to them. And the word patience is you have the ability to slow down, have fortitude to hold back how you really want to act. (laughs) Hold back how you really want to treat someone else. What you really want to say, patience means that when that moment comes, when you're frustrated with that person in your group or frustrated with that person in your community, you stop saying what you would like to say. I just want to be a real open person. I want to be raw and open. Well, that's good, but shut your mouth. Hold it back. Because evidence that you're building your life on Christ is that you can control your tongue. In fact, James says that if you call yourself religious and can't put a tight rein on your tongue, your religion is worthless. So we see here, he continues and he says, okay, now let me give you an idea of what this looks like. You bear with each other. This word literally means to sustain one another. It literally means that when someone is struggling or you have a grievance with someone or there's a struggle with someone else, you literally grab them and you literally bear up their burden with them. That if they are holding a burden in their life, you don't look at their burden and say, thank God that's not me. No, you help sustain them to the next season of their life. The word forgive one another here, notice it says the grievance. That word grievance there means that when someone, when you look at someone and you find a fault with them. Now I gotta tell you something. I got a lot of people finding fault with me and that's okay. And the reason you find fault with me is because I'm a very human person and I public speak very often. I'm always gonna say something bad. That's why sometimes I don't record our James class because I'm like, whoop, thank God I didn't say that. When you find a fault with someone, when, when, you, when you engage them and there's a fault with them, no, I love this about scripture. I wanna say this very clearly. One of the reasons people church hop is because they don't understand how to put up with people when, they, when, when there's something about them they don't like. The Bible never says that we're supposed to go to church with people that we like. The Bible says you're supposed to go to churches, church with people who put Jesus first in their lives. Well, I don't know, I don't really, feel, I don't really like this place, really fit this place. Listen, I, I know I'm being really pastoral today and maybe a little, a little bit today, but I just wanna say this to you. Too, for too long, we've built churches based upon our personal preference. If God placed you in the church, if you call Love City Church your home, people are gonna tick you off right, left, and center. Why? Because when you're in a relationship with someone, guess what happens? You are gonna step on each other's toes. He said something I didn't like, I'm gonna go to another church. That is sin, We have to bear up one another's grievances. We have to forgive as the Lord forgave us. Jesus is being nailed, a a nine-inch nail, being driven through Jesus' wrists and ankles by a people that he came to die for. He did nothing wrong, didn't say a single word, and the only thing Jesus said was, forgive them. Let this be your example. I say this to our team all the time. Could it, wouldn't it be amazing if you could be a part of one local church for the rest of your life because you fought for this area you put on love and you compassion. And Man, someone said something in group that I didn't like. Well, then work it out. That's the biblical way. That's the thing you need to do. You need to go and make it right. Well, they said, I don't like something about it. Well, listen, I don't like something about you. So I'm just kidding, just kidding. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Why I got to say that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the power of forgiveness in the church, I believe this. This is what makes Love City Church healthy. Yeah. We fight for forgiveness. Yeah. This is what makes our groups rich. 
is that we fight. You don't like me? Let's work it out. You don't always have to like me. We don't, and you know what? God might even be calling some of you in the future to transition for whatever reason, but never ever transition because you haven't forgiven or you haven't carried the burden or you haven't done the work because guess what? You will go to the next place and you will struggle just like you struggled in the last place. So if you're here today and you're dealing with it, listen, I am the first, I am the chief among sinners in this area. I held unforgiveness against people and pastors and churches for a long time and God came and convicted me and said, Ryan, this is what, the, what it really, you gotta put on love in your life. So if you want evidence that you're building your life on Christ is that when you're in the house of God, you fight for love. You fight for unity. You fight to work out each other's grievances. You fight for forgiveness. You will not allow forgiveness to win because Jesus forgave us all and we didn't deserve it. We must give forgiveness to others even when they don't deserve it. Well, you don't know what they did. I don't, but Jesus does. We don't know what they've done to me in the past. Listen, I don't, but Jesus does. I know they hurt you. I know you're offended. I know you're broken. I get it. And guess what? They don't deserve your forgiveness, but neither did we. And Jesus here is saying, forgive as you've been Forgiven. And one thing I didn't mention about that, that word love there is agape. Uh, You Bible folks, what does the word agape mean? Unconditional. Catch it? Love without conditions. No conditions. Well, you're a sinner. Well, so am I. No conditions. Well, I offended you. I've probably offended you. No conditions. No conditions. Put on a love without conditions. That's what Jesus did for us. And he's saying that's what we should do for others. So put on love. This is just what's in Colossians, so forgive me. No, no, Kyle, you need to sit down, dude. We're not going, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Here's the second one here today in our scripture. Look what it says. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Here's the second one here today. Let harmony with others guide your heart. Let harmony with others guide your heart. And notice in the scripture it says to let the peace of Christ rule. Let, allow, the peace that you have with God. Now you read this thing, okay, whenever I read this scripture, it's talking about my own personal tranquility. Well, yes, but it's actually referring to your peace with other people. Letting the peace of Christ in your life rule. Now that word rule there is literally the word umpire. I know Vince's face went so because he loves baseball. It's like a referee. In baseball, the referee, the umpire will call when, when, a, when, a, when a batter, a strike or a ball, or they'll call you when you, when you aren't successful on, on, a, on a run to the base, they'll call you out. Or when you are successful, when you get home, they'll say you're safe. So the umpire is, is, is dictating how the game's working. Out, safe, ball. When you are engaging other people, I don't know about you, but I have a sixth sense. I know when there's disunity in our church. I know when someone's got a bone to pick with me. Everyone who knows me knows that. I can just smell it. So if you've got a bone to pick with me, I smell you. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't smell anything right now. Maybe it's off. I don't know. (laughs) But there's a sixth sense in us as followers of Jesus Christ. 
That when we engage one another, we, we say, okay, God, I'm gonna let the peace of God in my heart. But, but when I start to feel this like, Ugh, like why every time I talk to that person, I feel this, Ugh, well, I'm not gonna say anything. It's no big deal. I'll just let it go. No, no. We as people need to let that be our umpire. They're saying, oh man, something's not right. And then you talk to them and you realize that when you were at church last week, you went by them and you didn't see them, but they saw you and they're super ticked that you didn't say hi to them. I thought they were my friend. And you're like, oh my gosh, I was just thinking about something else. I'm so sorry. Little did you know that the devil is capitalizing on a little moment where that person was sensitive that day, took offense to it. The other person didn't know. Now you leave the church and you're broken because Love City Church hates people. We need to let the peace of God rule in our heart. Be the umpire. When I sense something's not right, hmm, something's not right there. Be the bigger person and go to them and say, hey, I do this all the time and it's actually really embarrassing. Hey, I don't know. Is this, are we good? Ryan, we're fine. You're so sensitive. Well, I'd rather be sensitive than just assume that everyone loves me. We need to teach ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign in our heart. And when he rules and reigns in our heart, what happens is, is you'll begin to develop relationships not based on uh, affinity, not based on, well, we like the same things, not based on, well, we look the same, not based on, oh, we talk the same, not based on, well, we're the same gender or we're the same race or we come from the same lineage. Now what our relationships are based on is one thing and one thing only, only and his name is Jesus. Authentic and genuine church community is not because I created an environment where you fit in based on your preference. It's because of Jesus. You're a brother and you're a sister in Christ. You're my brother and my sister in Christ. And so guess what? Because you're my blood, my spiritual blood, I wanna make sure that we are in unity together at all times. Why? Because you are my family and I'm gonna fight for my family. And I'm not just gonna treat you as some random person that comes in and out of a church and they're a Christian. No, we are family. And so when there's a problem, I, I wanna seek it out. Hey, what's going on? Are we okay? Well, you said this, I'm really sorry. Do me a favor. Don't uh, think that if the peace of Christ is really, let me say it this way. If the peace of Christ is ruling in your heart, you will be constantly making things right with people. If you're never making things right with people, there's only two scenarios. A, your heart's not being ruled by Christ's peace. Two, you don't like confrontation and you need to get over it. <laughs> confrontation is what it takes to have a healthy, dynamic community. I know, I did not plan all this kind of intensity today, so just forgive me, it's just who I am, but confrontation. Many of us have disconnected relationships in the church because we're not willing to engage because our feet have been stepped on in the past. See, I've been hurt in the past. Listen, how many of you married folks, how many of you know, how many of you have never had a, now the newly married folks, like, yeah, things are so great. We just, I mean, I just never fight. And like, when she brushes her teeth, I just like, oh, I love you. And then you get married for a little while longer. You're like, oh my gosh, stop <laughs> breathing so loud. <laughs> you're in a, you've been in a family, you've been in a marriage relationship, you know, authentic, genuine relationship. If you're in a marriage, confrontation's a requirement. I want to go to a church where just there's no confrontation. Well, then you better just, just go and live by yourself and get a volleyball and name him, what's his name, Wilson. <laughs> in order for us to, to develop an environment that the world looks at and says, wow. 
the pastor said that and offended them or this person did that and offended them or that person sinned and did that. We should just kick everyone out of the church. No, no, no. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart. And the scripture tells us why. Because as members of one body, you were called. This is why churches across the world are struggling to represent the name of Jesus Christ well. They forget that it's not just about looking great. It's about fighting for peace among brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what makes us the greatest testimony to the world. That while governments are fighting and politics are fighting and people are fighting and families are fighting and everything's going up in flames, we are unified and together. Why? Because we let the peace of Christ rule and reign in our hearts. We allow Jesus to be the umpire. And when the Holy Spirit prompts you and says, hey, you offended that person. You need to go and make it right. I did it this week to a brother in Christ whom I love very much. I offended him. I didn't know it, but I realized I had offended him. And I came to him and I wanted him to know. I, am, I, I said, I'm very sorry. I have three things I did wrong and I acknowledge every single one of them and said, I'm very, very sorry. I'm not saying that so you think I'm better than you. I'm saying that because I gotta do it too. We all gotta fight for it. And it's hard to say sorry to people. But if you don't learn to say sorry to people, you're giving in to the spirit of pride. And what it takes to develop an authentic, genuine community that you love being a part of, even the music doesn't suck, James. So just give me a minute here. <laughs> The music's been amazing, by the way. Like, good job, Pastor James and the team. Even when the worship's not great, even when the pastor is a terrible speaker, even when you're like, man, I don't like the, I don't like the music tone, and man, Ryan sometimes says that. Listen, the body of Christ is not just about my preaching and James' worship leading. The body of Christ is about real people doing real life together and choosing. I'm going to make that my home. It's not about how I feel on Sunday, even though that's a great benefit. I'm together and I'm fighting for peace among one another. And we're gonna let the, the um, because we are called to peace. You wanna have a church experience that you never have to leave the church ever again? This is the key. Fight for this. And we will have an environment that people say, what is it about that environment? Well, we fight for forgiveness. We fight for peace. We, we fight to be unified. Yeah, we want great worship. Yeah, we want great kids ministry. Yes, we want to do missions. Yes, we want to do all these things that all these churches build on, which is great. We want those. But at the very foundation, we are a body of Christ who are fighting for peace with one another. Amen? Here's the third one. Let the message of Christ, look at this, dwell among you abundantly. As you look at, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom Psalms, so a psalms is a, a song based on biblical text. Hymn is a song that's been written by a human, like the songs we sang today. Songs from the Spirit, these are spontaneous, Spirit-led songs. We'll talk a little bit about this next week. Uh, spontaneous, Spirit-led songs. Singing to God with gratitude in your heart. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. What's the message of Christ? Well, as you all know, the message of Christ is very simple. That Jesus Christ, he created us to be in relationship with him. We strayed away. Christ came to earth, sent by his father. He died on a cross, lived a sinless death, was buried in a grave. He, he was crucified. He rose on the third day, and now you and I can live new spiritual lives. We are made to life once again. We were dead, but now we're alive once again. And now we have access to spend an eternity with Jesus Christ when we die. We will no longer spend an eternity in hell without Christ. We will be with Christ for an eternity in heaven. Not only that, we experience an abundant life right now filled with love and, and care and compassion and faith and power and miracles. We live that life right now. Let that message dwell among you 
Now, I believe what, what Paul is saying here is this. I believe, and uh, I believe this is what he's saying, that we need to engage, choose to build your life on Christ. You have to engage in your church community, listen, consistently. What he's saying here in this verse is that we need to let the message of Christ, let that message of Christ dwell. Let it happen in our community. Let it be among you abundantly. Let it be rich. We talked about this in our James class. How many times do you get around people in, uh, in, in, your, uh, in your life and the last thing you do is talk about Jesus? Talk about the sports, talk about the weather. Come on, we need to let the message of Jesus dwell at our dinner table. Let the message of Jesus dwell in our groups, dwell in our Sunday gatherings. What he's saying here today is that you and I need to allow this to happen. And he, how, do, how do we uh, allow this to happen? He tells us how. He says, to, as you teach and admonish. This word teach is to encourage. And this word admonish is to rebuke, to challenge. Ooh. Encourage, challenge. Encourage, challenge. Encourage, challenge. I don't want to be challenged. Well, then you can't be encouraged. Encourage and challenge who? One another. I want to say to you today that, that I want to encourage you that the way for us to coexist as followers of Jesus Christ is not only that you come and be challenged and encouraged, but that you learn there is a responsibility for you to encourage and challenge. There's an environment where we are encouraged and challenged and environments where we worship, like the scripture says. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing those things together. Where do we worship and where do we hear the word? Right here. Where do we gather together consistently where there's worship and there's the word and there's communion and there's togetherness in our groups? We have these groups not just to entertain us. They're not affinity groups. They are consistent week in, week out groups. Why? Because we believe they're like a house church. They're house to house. They're doing life together. They're just in the infancy we want to have a group in every single community across the city. We want to see God impact people's lives through groups. And I believe in this scripture. What Paul is saying is that you and I have to choose to engage in our church community, in our gathering, and in our groups consistently. And here is the reason why I am preaching on this today. Do you want to know why? It isn't because I want your money. It isn't because I want your butts in seats. It's because it's what's best for your family. The Bible says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will be blessed. There's favor. There is something supernatural about making a conscious decision to be in the house of the Lord, to be in a group. Wednesday night, we have worship hour from six to seven where we just worship an acoustic worship. We pray for each other every week from six to seven. There is something valuable about you making a decision to say, I'm gonna consistently be in the house of the Lord. I believe what happens is, is that the message of Jesus begins to dwell among us richly and God begins to move in our midst in a supernatural way. How do I know? What's the evidence that I'm building my life on Christ, I prioritize the house of God in my life. The house of the Lord should not be the third on your list. I'm just going to say it, and I'm probably going to get an email, but I love you in, 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 in advance. Sports is not a more important than the house of the Lord. I'm going to say this. Are you ready? Family is not more important than the house of the Lord. Now hear me. We need to love our families, but I want you to hear me. When you become a follower of Jesus, you just entered into a broader spiritual family. There is something valuable about that consistency. Now, let me say something else. Did you know that going to church is, is a spiritual discipline? 
You know that going to church is a, is a decision. It's just like reading your Bible a prayer. Never in scripture do we say, go to church because it feels good or go to church because you're awake for it or go to church because it's convenient or go to church because it makes sense or go to church because it lines up, the stars line up. No, I wanna encourage you today. The reason we are taught in the New Testament to go to church is because Jesus knew and the apostles knew that this is what followers of Christ do to stay the healthiest in their life, to plant their family in the house of God and to let the presence of God, the word of God, the worship of God dwell among us richly together. I wanna encourage you, prioritize the house of the Lord and you will be blessed. I'm saying it boldly. If you don't prioritize the house of God, I want to just say it today. I believe this. After 23 years of watching people, followers of Jesus, I have watched people go through seasons of of dysfunction because they've chosen to prioritize all of these other things over the house of the Lord. Make a choice today. Okay, you know what? I'm going to choose it. I don't feel like it today. Well, I'm going to choose it. I don't feel like reading my Bible every day, right? but I do it. Actually, sometimes I don't even feel like telling my wife I love her. But I do it. Sometimes I don't feel like kissing or hugging my wife, but I do it. Sometimes I don't even feel like getting out of bed, but I do it. There's spiritual disciplines in our life that God's called us to do, and going to church is one of them, being in the church of God. Not just going in attendance. Come on. You have something to offer. You have a gift to give. You've got a passion. This leads us into our last one here this morning. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. Remember, this is for your life. It's a good uh, inventory for our life to ask ourselves a question. Is everything that you do and everything that you say in the name of Jesus? You know, there can be a lot of good things that we do that are not in the name of Jesus, but in the name of myself. There's been multiple things throughout the years of the church that we've done that I realize that as I look back, and I know Ryan Voros is always my, uh, he's, the, he's the, the angel on my shoulder that says, Ryan, stop doing new things. Is this God's plan or is this your plan? I say, shut up, Ryan. You're excommunicated. No, I'm just kidding. He's an elder. I can't quite do that. Um, I've realized over the years that there's things I do that are really, really good they just weren't God. And the reason I know that, because they fizzle and fall apart. I realized I was really doing things in my name. What things in your life are you doing in your name? What business, uh, business, what relationship? What things are you doing in your name? What are you watching that's in your name? What are you listening to that's in your name? So there's a great challenge here for you personally. But remember, this is in the context of the local church. He says that whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord. How, how much of it? All of it. Every part of it, everything you say in the house of God, everything you do in the house of God, let it be for the glory of God. Let it be to bring God glory as I am a member of the house of God. Everything I'm doing today is because I love the Lord. Now, there's multiple people in the room today. And I want you to hear me today. If you know me, you know that I'm only saying these things today from the pulpit because I absolutely love you. And the reason I love doing series like this is because what it does, it forces me to say things that I wouldn't normally say. But here's three people in the room today. There are those that don't even know that serving in the house of God, and this is the fourth one here today. I believe this very clearly. We need to serve one another consistently. So we've got to put on love. We've got to choose to be led by the harmony of peace with one another. 
We have to choose to engage in the house of God, build our life. We've got to engage ourselves in the house of God. And we've got to choose to serve one another consistently. There's three people. Some people didn't even know that they're supposed to. You're a new Christian, or maybe you're new to the church. I didn't even know that I was supposed to engage in a group and serve or serve in some capacity. I didn't even know that. But there's some in the room today who have served in the past and gotten burned. And now you're just hanging out and you're joining the low pressure. And I want to tell you, that is okay. I encourage you. You came from a church environment where you've been burned and you've been hurt. And you're here today and you're saying, man, I just want to rest for a season. We've had more people come to our church and get healthy from doing just that. So hear me, you're okay. But there will come a time when the Holy Spirit's going to begin to prompt you. And the reason I wanted you to consider that this is one of the ways to build your life is because those who are just receiving and not giving will grow stagnant in their walk with God. There's got to be a way for you as time comes on to recognize that God did not call us to sit He did not call us to sit and watch in the house of God. He says, everything you're doing in the house of God, everything you're saying, well, Ryan, I'm not doing or saying anything. Okay, maybe it's a season, but there needs to come a day where you do something and say something in the house of God. There needs to come a time where you say, this is my house and I'm going to be a part of the house and I'm going to help build in the house. I'm going to be a part of the vision of the house and I'm not just going to sit and watch. Now, some of you are in that season and I want to tell you, that's okay. I did it too and you have permission to do that too. Then there's the third person. Maybe you're here today and you are serving in the church and you're getting burned. You shifted from being in the house of God, giving your time, giving your effort, giving your energy, loving God, serving here. And all of a sudden you went from that to now you're getting frustrated. How many of you have been there before? Get into a church and you feel like, oh man, I've just been misused and abused and they don't care about me anymore and I'm just a cog in the system and they're scheduling me four times a week and it goes from missing relationship and it goes from frustration. What happens in those moments is, is that we go from serving Jesus under the Lord and we shift to a moment of serving. We move into serving ourselves. And yes, there's some balance there. You should never be scheduled four weeks in a row. That's a rule at our church, or even three weeks in a row. Maybe you can do tweaks in a row, maybe. But we have a rule. Never allow people to serve in our church multiple weeks because we care more about who you are than what you do in our church. But maybe you're here today and you're serving and you feel a little bit burned out. I want to tell you, I've been there too. And in fact, just this last week, we talked to a couple of people in our church. He says, Ryan, I'm burned, man. And we said, okay, let's talk about it. And there were some things I had done to offend them. And I said, hey, let me own it. I'm sorry. We've worked that out. How many of you have ever been in a church and you've been burned out as serving in the church? Let me see your hands. Anybody? You guys are all so shy about it. Come on, put your hand in here. Let's see it. People all across the church. Listen, I want you to know today, that's one of the areas in the church where we can begin to say, okay, I got burned and yeah, part of it was their fault. Part of it's my fault. How do we work this out in a way where I can serve under the Lord? That's, we know what happens when you do that. You have a great passion for the Lord. When you serve in a community under the Lord, you know what I do? Sometimes I come to the church, guys, and I'm not feeling like being here. How many of you ever felt like that? You're on a team at 7.30 in the morning. You're like, oh, dear God, I want to go back to sleep. Sometimes I even come here at 7.30 in the morning, and you know what I have to do? I say, Lord, I want to do this unto you for an audience of one. God, I want to do this just for you, God, because I know if I try to do it for Vince or I, I try to do it for, you know, for different people or try to serve in different ways, I'm just going to burn out if it's for people. And so if I serve in the house of God because I love God, God, I want to do this for you, guess what? I will never get burned out because I'm always doing it in the Lord. Lord, I, I, I want to give myself to you. He says, Ryan, you're serving four weeks in a row. And the Holy Spirit says, Ryan, that's not okay. You need to go to church twice a month. and You need to be healthy. Okay, Lord. But I just feel like I need to serve four times a month. That's where burnout happens. The Holy Spirit's only telling you to serve twice, only serve twice, and say no to the other two times, Joel. I mean, other people. 
This isn't just about working you to the bone. It's about you having a role to play, gift to use, passions, where we serve one another. It's out of love and compassion and concern. As I end my time, I want you to notice a pattern. Three verses here that we looked at, or four verses rather, but look at verse 15. He ends the scripture by saying, and be thankful. And then look at verse 16, with gratitude in your hearts. Look at verse 17, giving thanks to God. Do you know those two words, grateful and thanks, actually are words that speak to your emotional state. The word grateful in this text is actually the word charis, which is grace. The word grace speaks to exceedingly glad, exceedingly happy. The word thankful in the scripture actually speaks to the idea of being mindfully aware of God's favor in my life. When you are mindfully aware of God's favor in your life, what happens to your external life? What happens to your emotions? What do you feel? Happy, glad, worshipful, excitement. I am here to tell you today that when you build your life on Christ, when you put on love, when you let harmony with others be your God, when you choose, I'm going to consistently be in a house of God and be in a group, when I'm going to serve in the house of God, guess what happens? Literally, the Bible teaches that you will have an emotional state of gladness and happiness. You'll be thankful, gratitude. You say, Ryan, that hasn't been my church experience. Well, then, hey, listen, you're in a new church experience. Leave the old behind you. Let's start a new day where we can say, I get to be in the house of God, not because of what I can do for them and not because I'm a cog in the system, but because, man, I just love Jesus and I love these people. And what happens is, is you begin to feel thankfulness for the Lord. And what happens when you're thankful for the Lord? You experience the joy of your salvation putting other people first and loving them, your harmony, engaging people in harmony, letting your heart be led by the peace of Christ and you're serving in the house of God and you're committed and consistently what happens is your heart swells with an overwhelming emotional state of gratitude and thanks and guess what? You become joyful for what? Jesus. You're reminded of the greatness of Jesus. You're reminded of how faithful Jesus is. Why? Man, he placed me in a place where I can just be myself. Place me in a place where I can just go at my own pace, where I'm free to let the Holy Spirit lead me. And they don't beg for my money and they don't beg for my time and they don't beg for my energy. They just let the Holy Spirit speak to me. I'm just in a safe place where I can be in a house of, oh, gratitude. Jesus, I love you. And I'm so thankful for you, God. Worship because it's a come for your life. And what happens is, is you're just a happy old person serving Jesus. And a crotchety old person. You're just, oh, Jesus, thank you. Thankfulness. Listen, gratitude and thankfulness is the evidence that you are building your life on Christ. Now, I learned this week, I was complaining all week long, complaining about all sorts of stuff. And my wife finally came to me and said, Ryan, what about your message this week? <laughs> Shut up, stop. I do not feel peace and I'm not going to make it right. She was right. I was, I was complaining. And I began to just, I just began to remember, man, why am I preaching why am I serving these people? Why am I serving this house? Why do I do this? Because I just love the Lord. And guess what? When I love the Lord, guess what happens? I just love you more. When I love you more. I just, I just want to serve you more. When I serve you more, I just feel joy for what I get to do in my life to serve you and love you and encourage you. And then what happens again? I get to give more and serve more and love more and forgive more. Oh, it's a cycle of joy. This is what God wants for our lives. This is what it looks like to build our life on Christ pray for you today. I want to pray for those in the room who maybe are in those two, two categories where maybe you've been burned in the past. 
And I'm not going to embarrass you by having you raise your hand because I know that can be an embarrassing thing. But I want to pray for you today. Those who have been burned in the past or maybe you're in a place right now where they're, they're feeling like they don't want to step in because they're worried about getting hurt again. Or maybe you're here and you're burned and you're on the team and you're like feeling what I'm saying and like, gosh, I'm frustrated today. Or maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to know Christ. Would you bow your heads with me today? I want to pray for you. Father, I just pray for every follower of Jesus Christ in the room today. Those who have been burned, those who have been hurt, we've all been there, Lord. Those who are offended with others in the church. Those who are, Lord, carrying offense, carrying a heavy burden. Today, Lord, we come to you and we say, Father, would you just come right now with the power of your anointing, with the power of your spirit, would you begin to heal our hearts, God? Lord, for the fear we have of stepping in, the, the concern we have of going to the next level, Lord, even the, 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 the worry about our schedules and our life, Holy Spirit, would you give us the grace to be able to engage in our community of faith, God? If we've been hurt or injured, Lord, would you heal our hearts? Lord, if we have grievances or unforgiveness, would you heal our hearts, Lord? Come on, every eye closed. Anyone in the room today who wants to know Jesus? Maybe you don't know Christ and you'd like to start having a, a relationship with him today. Come on, every eye closed. If you're online or in the room today, come on, would you just place your hand in the air? I'm not gonna call you forward. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I just wanna say, who wants to give their life to Jesus Christ for the very first time? Would you just put your hand in the air real high today so I can see you? Come on, anybody in the room today? Come on, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, anybody online right now that's watching, you can put it in the comments. I want to give my life to Jesus. Let's pray. Church, would you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I want a relationship with you. Forgive me for all my sin. I acknowledge that you are God and I want you to reign over my life. I give you my heart and mind today. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.